Monument Releasing proudly presents Our Time from master filmmaker Carlos Regaras. Sight and Sound calls Our Time a soul-searching work of scorching honesty, and Vox Magazine raves it's an absolute work of art. Our Time opens June 14th at Quad Cinema, featuring Q&As with Regaras and co-stars and special guest moderators. You're listening to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. On this week's episode, we're sharing the Q&A from our sneak preview screening of August Edakikos, the debut feature from Christopher Makoto Yogi. The film follows Alex, a musician who returns to Hawaii with just a suitcase and a sax after nearly a decade away. His journey leads him to a quiet Buddhist bed and breakfast, where he befriends hostess Akiko over a few summer weeks. Weaving lush, languid views of island land and seascapes with a soundtrack of experimental free jazz and meditative chimes, August at Akiko's is a mystical film that lives in the seams between dream, reality, and memory, with a time signature all its own. After the screening and special musical performance by Alex Chang Hung Tai, writer-director Makoto Yogi and actor-musician Hung Tai joined assistant programmer Dan Sullivan for a Q&A. Let's go to that now. While it's on our minds, why don't we begin by, uh, by talking about um, the score of the film. Um, could you, uh, maybe you both could um, talk a bit about um, your collaboration on that. I guess I have to thank Chris because it's been a really fun project to be a part of. And Chris was always very encouraging and just being like, yeah, just do whatever you want. Like, <laughs> and I would show it to him and he would be like, that sounds great. <laughs> Instead of someone who's trying to, you know, like project their own narrative and forcing other people to abide that kind of narrative, it was a very loving experience working with Chris. We like we would talk about things that would make us feel insecure, and we like talk about it as if it's nothing. When you, if you think about it, it's actually like pretty heavy stuff, you know, like fear of failure and like all these insecure questions. And we were just talking to each other like it's nothing. And it's great. It also helps to be isolated in Hawaii on the big island. It's so beautiful. And yeah, it's like nothing will phase you. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, when you have, um, when you're working with an artist like Alex, you kind of just want to trust that he's going to bring it. Um, and as a director, I don't think I wanted to, um, yeah, I didn't want to box in the film in any way, you know? Um, Alex's process is very intuitive. Uh, my process is very intuitive. And so it just made sense that we would just go with the flow. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was beautiful. We, um, Akiko, while we were shooting it, she said, um, this film is like, um, it's, it's like we're writing a river, and the river is the film. And so we just sort of took that metaphor, and wherever this river took us is where we were going to go, you know? And that would be the film, and we just trusted. Um, I mean, it helps when you have collaborators who are amazing at what they do. Um, but ultimately, 
yeah, it's a very intuitive, very freeform process. Um, it was awesome. Um, and I guess we should uh, we should probably back up and uh, talk about the uh, the or like the origins of uh, the the t the two characters at the uh, at the heart of the film. Um, uh, you know, when when did you when did you decide um, to build the the film around uh, Alex and Akiko? And um, I mean, the fact that you know they're I mean, this is a fiction. They're playing characters with their names and so on, and it, it introduces a you know a pretty pronounced documentary uh, component to everything. So maybe could you just talk about that? Yeah, this film came together in a really um, magical way. Um, I I was on the Big Island of Hawaii. I'm from Honolulu. Um, I, I hadn't been to the Big Island in probably ten years. Um, but Sarah, our producer, and I, we were location scouting for a different film. And I was looking for like places that reminded me of old Hawaii, like my like my ch Hawaii from my childhood. Um, now Hawaii is very overdeveloped. Um, and so we landed on the Big Island, and we we found ourselves staying at Akiko's Buddhist bed and breakfast. Um, and every morning we would sit down in her kitchen, and she would make us coffee, and then cut us some fruit that she just picked from her yard, and we would just listen to her tell stories for like an hour or two hours. And I just fell in love with her spirit, with her. Um, and she told, told us about the work she was doing in the community, which is beautiful. And I just fell in love with the place. And um, you know, when we just talking story with the community, I just felt deeply, deeply moved by, um, by the place, by the island. I just, something stirred within me. And then it was so weird. About three months later, I was, at, I was back home in Honolulu, and I was on Ancestry.com um, for some reason. <laughs> um, and I was building my family tree, um, as you do on that website. And I discovered that both sides of my family can trace their roots back to where we were staying. So my great-great-grandfather landed, like that's where he landed when he immigrated from Japan. On the other side of my family, my grandmother lived one town over from where Akiko's is. And I just I had no idea, like nobody in my family even told me that we had roots on the Big Island. So at that point I was like, I'm gonna make a film um, it's going to be an opportunity for me to learn about this place that I have roots in, but I have no idea. Um, I, I don't know anything about this island. I don't know anything about this community. Um, and then once I just sort of put it out there in the universe, I'm going to make a film there. Things moved very quickly. I asked Alex. I was like, hey, I'm going to make this film. Do you want to do it? And he was like, yep. And I was like, okay. Um, I, don't, I still don't know why he said yes. Um, but... Uh, but once he was in, I was like, okay, this makes sense. It's like Alex, Akiko, and then our, our, our band of filmmakers. And in my head, it just made sense as like a, like a recipe. And I knew something good would, could would come out of it. And it, it seems like, um, I mean, in addition to, the, uh, to, to some of the, the music and the sounds in the film, there's all, you know, um, so, much, so much of uh, what's going on in the film happens through like the blocking and composition, um, you you do it a lot with uh, with like stillness and distance. Um, so I was hoping I was hoping you could uh, you could tell us a bit about your collaboration with your cinematographer uh, Yunsu uh, Cho. Yeah, we had we actually had two two DPs. One Robin Yunsu uh, Cho was our our lead DP, and then we had another Jose Asuncion. He was the second camera, but. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I th- I think ultimately we we knew that this we knew the pace of the film. We knew that it was going to be a film that kept its distance from its characters because we wanted to capture the natural world, um, and we were less. I mean, we were we were interested in the characters, but we were almost interested more in the characters in relation to the island, you know, um, and seeing characters move in space in relation to the island. Um, that's the sort of thing we were interested in, um, and capturing the island as a character. I mean, ultimately. Um, that's, I mean, ultimately, uh, it's, I think, the, the main character of the piece. Um, and uh, Alex, I was, I was also, uh, I was curious whether you, whether you noticed any kind of, like, echoes or resonances between, um, between the performance that's involved in, like, acting in a film versus the kind of performance that you have to do when, like, like you just did. Yeah. For sure. I mean... It's funny to watch yourself while you're in the act. So I, I realize that's a very troublesome like obstacle to get over as a performer. Even when, whether you're acting or performing, it's like there's always an aspect of yourself that's looking at yourself and being like, are you really going to play that? Or did you just do that? Or like that's bullshit or like or that's fucked up like or why you want to take it there like uh, all these like weird voices in your head that comes in and out and um, sometimes you just have to silence everything and become the act in itself and in its totality whatever that means because you could deliver like a really horrible performance that's the risk that you're taking you know, like even the soundtrack thing, like we're just I'm just playing and sometimes I'm like, Whoa, this is this sounds kinda bad. Like <laughs> like and then Chris would be like, Yeah, that sounded like pretty cool. And I was like So that in there's so many instances in our life where that should that should have been a hint at like you don't know what reality is because in one hand you're thinking about, oh, I just did something really fucked up. And then Chris is like, that sounded great. So that should have been, there's like numerous occasions in our lives where we come across that, that tells us that reality is not what we think it is. But we go back into that loop and then ignore what someone just said to us. Like that's something that's very beautiful and reassuring, you know, because we're so caught up in our own, narrative you know our own story that we're determined to play out doesn't matter what people are telling you like that was great man you're like no i suck like (laughs) you just keep going and it's really unhealthy (laughs) well i want i want to see if we have some uh questions in the audience in just a second but um but i think this is uh this is related because it 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 struck me that one thing that this film seems to be trying to do is um is to it's like putting putting contemplation and reflection on the screen, which is famously one of the most difficult things to do, probably in any artistic uh, medium, but especially uh, cinema. Um, so I was I was just curious um, I was curious whether you guys uh, sort of were, were talking about that task or if it came to your mind because um, but I mean there's also like sort of like the oblivion of consciousness too in the film. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, we definitely saw the film as, I mean, first and foremost, I think ultimately we were taking our guide from the island. Um, we, we went 
we, we all flew. There was, a, I think, six of us. We flew to the Big Island. We were staying in a house that was sort of just off the grid. Um, so we didn't, at Akiko's, we didn't have um, phone service. Um, our internet kept going out. So we were just there. We were just cut off from the world and just existing um, in a way that was really beautiful. And um, I think ultimately we were just trying to capture what we were feeling while we were there and trying to be true to that. Um, so the pace of life, you know, time both 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 like expands and contracts in a weird way when you're cut off from the world. But yeah, ultimately, you know, the the film I think we we ended up seeing it as a space in which people could use it as a space of contemplation. You know, um, not necessarily it, it's not so narrative driven, and so you guys can come in here. Um, you know, if you zone out, that's fine. You know, um, if you fall asleep, that's fine. Um, because really, all we're trying to do is just place you in a transport you to a different space, um, and hopefully, the the sort of healing that occurred with us as filmmakers while we were there will then be transmitted to you, so that this theater space can also be a space of healing. From Carlos Rigaras, the mind behind Cannes Award winners Post Tenebras Lux and Silent Light, comes Our Time, a provocative meditation on love, family, and masculinity that won the Critics' Prize at the San Sebastian Film Festival. Sight and Sound says it's a soul-searching work of scorching honesty. Vox Magazine calls it a twisted tale of love and an absolute work of art. Our Time opens June 14th at Quad Cinema, with Q&As on opening weekend with Regadas, co-star Natalia Lopez, and special guest moderators. Hi, uh, this question is for Alex. Alex, uh, first part, are, are you actually from the islands? And uh, if, uh, if not, or if you are, either way, I mean, how did, you, how did you relate to that space in which you were working? Well, first of all, uh, to answer your question, no, I'm not from the island, but I did spend 10 years of my childhood in Hawaii. I went to high school and college there from age 14 to 24 in Honolulu. So I am, that's how Chris and I like met and bonded because we were like, oh, you're, like, you're from Hawaii, like you know, grew up in the same town. And, um, so I do know how to speak pigeon and like, you know, oh, how's it? Hey, shoots. <laughs> and like, just get back into that island rhythm, you know, and it's nice and I forgot what it was like to be living in Hawaii because I had been away for so long. Um, so it helped to play that character. I realized that character in the end was like an avatar for Chris and I, really. It was just like, it's a fictional version of both of us combined, really, and we're just using this character to heal certain wounds that we haven't really confronted as adults you know, from our teenage years or childhood even, and it's quite abstract. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> people out. <laughs> uh, was there any formal scripting at all, and how many days did you shoot, and at what point did you decide, okay, we've shot enough, or was it just a limited amount of days? Uh, yeah, there was a script. Um, it's the way we did it. Uh, I, I wrote a 10-page treatment which was essentially a 10-page poem. <laughs> it didn't make any sense, really, as a movie. Um, but I sent it to my collaborators, and they said, great, it's we're great. doing this. <laughs> and I was I like, OK, it. I guess we're doing it. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then I, I had a script that I had written for myself. 
Um, and I actually didn't share it with um, anyone else. And so what I was doing was, I, I mean, my room, I had note cards on the wall. So I was just tracking the story as we were going along, but allowing it also to just blossom in a natural way. Um, we were there for, I think, five weeks. Um, I think one week, we came one week before Alex um, and did some stuff with Akiko and um, just got acclimated to the community. And um, we were doing all kinds of stuff. Like we were, we were interviewing people. We were, um, we were doing like that community service stuff. Um, and there's so much more um, that went into the making of the film than, than you see on the screen. Um, and all of it sort of is there spiritually, but um, this is just one glimpse of the entire journey that we took while we were on the island. And so after five weeks, we just we had tickets back to Honolulu, so we had to leave. <laughs> I think it was time, though. <laughs> it was a very beautiful film. Thank you. Um, I have Thank a you. question Thank for you. Alex. Um, so there was a scene where you were going through this, like a, almost like a praying prayer session with Akiko, and it seemed like you were crying. And and it, it felt very real. Um, I'm, I was just curious, uh, what were the, some of the things that was in your mind, or maybe some images, or can you, I mean, maybe personal question, but can you share with us? Sure, I mean, it's in the film, so it's, it's public. <laughs> <laughs> but that was actually the first time I met Akiko like contrary to how the story progressed, but that was the first day we met. And uh, if I, yeah, actually we had a really bad first introduction because, uh, should, should I tell the story? Okay. So I was going through some personal things on the phone, sitting on this rock, and little did I know it was a sacred rock. I'm not supposed to be sitting on it. And Akiko came to me while I was just really um, consumed by this horrible co phone conversation. And she was like, excuse me, that is a sacred rock and you should not be sitting on that. And I, I immediately like, slapped, like snapped out of it. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I got up and like went off to the bush, you know, like <laughs> continue the, the phone conversation. And Akiko told me later on, she was like, you know, I, ha I had doubts about you, Alex, when I first met you. I was just like, <laughs> but then you snapped out of it and you apologized, which I thought was very brave. Like, she was like, well, here's a, a young man who is like willing to admit his own faults and like immediately apologize. And then she's like, you're, there's, some, there's still some hope in you. <laughs> yeah, and that was, that was our first introduction to each other. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, after Alex told me that story, I was like, oh, I guess, I guess this film's going to be about two people who don't like each other. <laughs> uh, this question is for Mr. Yogi. Uh, may I act in one of your next films? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um, so my question is about like, how much did you want to, did you have of the story? And then how much did you decide to cut out later? Um, I'm especially thinking of the, the car. Like, it, it comes back a few times, and I was like, are we going to find out, like, what this car thing is about? Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to know, like, uh, 
was it a very intentional that you wanted to keep it ambiguous and like not explain too much? And did you already have that um, in mind, like in your script and everything? And then decide to cut it out, like in the editing room, for example. Thank you. Yeah, um, we we knew where we were. Like I said, I had a treatment, and it kind of um, it was a very elusive, mysterious treatment. Um, and so we used that as our guiding light in a lot of ways. So we knew the film was going to be an elusive, mysterious film, um, non-narrative in a lot of ways. But we knew where we were beginning, and we knew where we were ending. So we knew we knew that we just have to start here, and somehow, whatever winding path we took, we have to end here. Um, and so that's sort of the the, the sort of, um, I guess, structure or architecture that we used. Um, but, you know. Manifest the dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Manifest the dream. Aloha. I have to know um, one thing. Um, what high schools you guys went grad? <laughs> Just to put it out, I went with Kelly, and then I wanted Hawaii to know, um, like, um, coming from. Are you going to judge us immediately after we tell you what high school? Uh, no, no, it's not like that. But um, <laughs> I want to know, like, coming from Oahu and being like, like towny kind of people, and then going Hawaii Island. Did you get any kind of like kickbacks from Hawaii Island people? Like, oh, these freaking Oahu people coming over here, filmmaking. I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, there's people asking, like, why did you guys shoot the ocean for so long? Like, oh, what's that mean? Like, but I think Akiko answered, like, the best. Like, Akiko went to one of the screenings and she was just like, this is the land that you were born in and this is the land that raised you. If you get bored looking at the, your home, then I don't know what else to say to you. And I was like, and I was like, oh, fuck, why didn't I think of that? Like, it's such a good answer, you know? It's just like a mirror. It's like you're looking at yourself, that's why. Um, Iolani, St. Louis. Um, so we, we, we didn't, actually. They were probably talking behind our backs, maybe. Um, but, uh, you know, um, we... You know, because because Akiko was in the film and she's such a presence in the community on Hawaii Island, it's everybody you knows she's like a superstar there. We like go anywhere and everyone knows her. It's crazy. Um, and then and then we, you know, um, few of our crew members were were from Big Island. Um, Easton, who is in that breathing scene with Alex, is a he was our sound guy, um, and he he was someone that we just wanted to work on the film, but he was such a interesting. Human. He's a filmmaker himself. He went to Kamehameha schools. He's cool. And we're just like, all right, we love this guy. I was like, Easton, we're going to put you in the film. What do you want to do? And he's like, okay. Um, he's like, okay. I was like, just what do you want to teach Alex? He's like, okay. He's like, got an idea. And then he took us to this lake and they just started doing that and we were filming. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what is going on right now, but this is. Fucking awesome. <laughs> so so we, we tried to incorporate um, as many locals as we could. He's, he's really amazing. He's amazing. Because he has like such a childlike face. But what you didn't see was underneath that, he's ripped. He has like, <laughs> he has, like a six pack and like he looks like a bot. He's like a triathlete. 
Yeah, he's like totally. He's like yeah. competing in Iron. Was that called Iron Man or something? I, Iron Man, yeah. God, he's just like a monster, kind of like he was like, hey, how's it? Like, with his like smiley face, and he takes off his shirt. I was like, whoa! Like, and then, like really girl, intimidating. Girls appear all of a sudden. We're like, what is going? Yeah, on? Yeah, there's like all these girls checking him out. <laughs> and he, he's just like casually like squatting over there, like <laughs> flexing. Kinda. Very special person. All right, we have <laughs> we have time for one final uh, question. Uh, let's let's go. Hi. Uh, first of all, uh, beautiful film. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm very curious about uh, the actors and the characters. Uh, you had mentioned that uh, in a way it's uh, sort of a documentary. Um, but I would assume uh, if these characters and, and, and the people featured in this film don't have a lot of acting experience, that once the cameras turn on, there'd be a certain level of self-consciousness or whatnot. And I'm curious if that was an obstacle, or if so, how did you overcome that? How did you create sort of this intimacy that, that we see throughout the film? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, I mean, ultimately, it was just about creating an atmosphere of trust. Um, like I said, it was a very collaborative process. And so I think by, it, this film wasn't about any one filmmaker trying to dictate any sort of vision or control over the film. Like I said, it's, we, we saw it as we were all sort of riding this river together. And because we were in it together, we were all sort of open together. Um, I think there's just an, this atmosphere of trust or an element of trust that I trusted Alex, Alex trusted me, we trusted Akiko, our crew. We, you know, we were family. Um, and I think ultimately that's, that's, the way, that's the way to make movies, I think. Um, you know, um, I, I, anyway. Go ahead. Uh, I think, just wanted to like chime in on what you said. I think that's, that is like the spirit of life and like filmmaking. It's just, you're not supposed to superimpose or force your own narrative over anything. Like, and you'll just suffer from that because it doesn't go the way you want it to go. And when you're open to like all the possibilities around you and you really see the possibilities, you know, the ones that doesn't fit your narrative or ones that doesn't fit your aesthetics or whatever. And they're just like there. And then you really like live and like, or make a film, you know, like a real film instead of being trapped in like your references or your influences, which is like our personal history being trapped in like this past, you know, you're just like being open I mean, that said, you still have to, like, really trust and work with the people that you work with, you know? It's not just, like, do something and then, like, good, we can exploit that now. Like. Yeah, the, after we finished shooting, like, I think three or four months later, I read or I came across this Zen saying, it's, it, it said that um, it's, it's about nirvana. <laughs> it's about, it says, like, finding nirvana is, like, trying to um, find the ox while riding the ox. Um, and I, I just loved it, and I, I, it clicked. It's like that's how I feel about cinema. It's like it's not something that you're trying to hunt or control or grab. It's like, as 
filmmakers, like all of us on our team, we just keep our eyes open, keep our hearts open, keep our guts open, and just, you know, cinema will, will re reveal itself to us. Um, and I think that's the way in which we, that's the spirit in which we approach this project. I can think of no better place to, to leave it. Uh, thank you both for the film. Alex, thank you for the tune. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Everyone buy a copy of the soundtrack in the lobby now. And, uh, all right, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Film at Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, Film at Lincoln Center presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support Film at Lincoln Center by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.org. Film at Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>